Luke chapter 8. We're going to continue in the teachings of Jesus. Last week, in the past few weeks, we've seen that Jesus has been teaching us about the power of the Word of God. That the scriptures, that God's word has power, potential, and provision that's packed into it. That's like a seed that's planted in our lives. And that if we are careful in how we hear, if we are ones that hear and receive the word and persevere in it, that it has the power to produce an incredible return in our lives, a hundredfold fruit. It's been really encouraging. I've heard so many uh, people sharing with me how they've just been inspired to read the word afresh here in 2019, and I just think that's so awesome. What a great thing for us to prioritize in our own lives this year and the next 10 years. And what we do with those words of Jesus will radically shape our next 10 years as individuals and as a community. There's a great opportunity uh, for us there. Uh, Interestingly enough, I find that this hunger to read the Bible um, is not just something that a few people who've expressed that to me have, but it's actually fairly common. This is encouraging. Uh, I read uh, this week that 57% of Americans wish they used the Bible, read the Bible, studied the Bible more. 57%. That's almost like six out of 10 people in America, people like you and me, are hungering for more of God's word. Uh, 89% of those who are engaged with Scripture, meaning people who are already reading the Bible, desire to read it more, to understand it more, to use it more. So think about what that means. People who are reading this and trying to incorporate it into their lives, it's not one of those things that you get into and you're like, ah, this isn't all it's cracked up to be. You know, I'll just put that back. It's, it's people get into it and they're like, wow, this is amazing. I, w- I, I want to read this more, and I want to grow in this more, and I want to use this more. 89%, nine out of 10 Bible readers in America, that's their desire. That's what they're thinking about. That's a good customer review right there. Um, All right, 70% of people that are Bible neutral, meaning they're they're not engaged with the scripture, they're just kind of like, ah, it's there. They actually have a desire. 70% are interested in greater time with the Bible. So there's a hunger in our nation and a hunger in, in our lives to grow in God's word, to grow. And I imagine that you who've come to church on a Sunday, on a holiday weekend, uh, by your own free will, that you have a hunger to grow in God's word, that you have a hunger to read and understand the Bible more, right? I imagine that that's common for all of us here. That's why you're here. But I want to speak to you for a few moments about uh, an elephant in the room. And I brought one to help us get going. Okay, you're familiar with the the figure of speech about an elephant being in the room. It's something that's big, that's awkward, that's not talked about or not acknowledged, right? Think about the elephant in the room. Well, there's an elephant in the room in our church. There's an elephant in the room uh, related to this issue kind of in churches at large in the lives of, of many of us. And I want to talk to you about it. It's not often talked about, but it's, we all get fired up. Okay, I need to read the Bible. Yes, I need to be in the Word. Yes, I need, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I got a one-year Bible or whatever you have. I'm, I'm going for this, right? We say that, but then if we're honest, it's, it's hard because the Bible in places is very hard to understand. It's very confusing. 
it's hard to know, like, what do we prioritize here? Like, I remember um, when I was early reading the Bible, finding a passage of Scripture in the Old Testament, which said that you shouldn't cook a goat, a young goat, in its mother's milk. And I remember reading that and being like, this is so strange. I don't eat goat. And if, you know, I did, is this a rule that I need to do now about how to cook and why does God care about that? There's plenty of parts of Scripture like that, where it's like confusing. Or there's genealogies, these long lists of names that are very hard to say, and it's like, does this, I don't know if this matters or, or not. Um, there's political references to kingdoms and leaders long, long ago, right? And you're like, my, my history goes back to about the Alamo, maybe the American Revolution, like further back than that, who are we talking about? And so it can feel a bit um, obtuse. It can feel a bit opaque. It can feel a little bit like, I know I should read this, and I understand why it's important, but I just, it, it, it's hard to understand. Jesus says in one place that if you're stuck in a particular sin, you should cut your hand off. Like, is he serious with that? I mean, there's so many questions like that uh, that we have, and those things hold us back from really being able to uh, dig in to the scripture. And so common response that we all take uh, is we move from kind of reading the Bible to we move to the, those verse a day Bible apps. Y'all know what I'm talking about, where they give you kind of the, the verse of the day. Uh, those verses, they're great. Like, it's awesome. They're skewed a little bit. Like, they only give you the positive ones. Like, the Lord is uh, gracious. You know, the Lord is steadfast in his love. The Lord is good. Those are in there. Um, this verse from, from Genesis 8 it's an interesting verse, uh, or Genesis 6, rather. It says that um, the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and, and the, every intent of his heart was evil, and the Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. Like, that verse isn't going to be in your verse-a-day Bible app, right? You know, so it's limited. They're, they're, you're kind of curating the, the really positive ones, the simple ones, not that, where you're like, what does that mean for my day? I liken this to, if you're thinking food, I liken this to Chick-fil-A. Okay, any Chick-fil-A fans? <clears throat> I went to Chick-fil-A a couple weeks ago, and the line was around the building twice. And we still got through in like five minutes. <laughs> it was unbelievable, right? Well, Chick-fil-A, what do you guys get there? Nuggets? In, anybody? I, I get a number one, right? That is the... It's the breaded chicken sandwich, the bun, the waffle fries, drink, no drink, whatever. I get number one. And uh, so I liken these verse of the day Bible apps to Chick-fil-A. It's a lot better than some of the choices I can make of places I could go eat in terms of my health and, and nutritional value. I'm sure it's a lot better than what I could do. But if I only ate Chick-fil-A, that was the only thing I ate each day, day in and day out, Think about my kind of diet. I would have bread, uh, bread that's on the chicken, so two breads, uh, chicken and potatoes, the waffle fries. And then I guess the only green thing I would have is like if it comes with pickles and then whatever's in that Chick-fil-A sauce, I don't know, maybe there's some vegetables in that, but like that would be the extent of my diet. And if that was all that I ate, I'd have a very limited kind of uh, nutritional value. You'd be like, hey, I think you need to kind of broaden your horizons a bit. The verse of the day Bible apps are similar. They're so much better. Like if you go to that as your way to engage with scripture, they're so much better than what you could do. 
They're so much better than just not doing anything. So kudos, like that's a good choice. And yet, if it's the only way we engage with scripture, right, we're going to have kind of a limited uh, diet of God's word, a limited diet of what God wants to sow into our lives. And so sometimes you move kind of beyond Chick-fil-A. You say, well, hey, I want to take it up a step, uh, take it up a notch. I'm not going to eat in the restaurant. I'll go to the grocery store and I'll get one of those prepared meals, you know, where you go and they have the portions and you can have vegetables in there and meat and you you kind of buy it and you go home and you prepare it, right? And that's kind of another step up. I liken that to devotionals. So if, you kind of, if, you're, if you're trying to take a step up from the Bible app where they just give you a verse for the day, some people go to devotionals. I like devotionals. Our church has one, bewithjesus.me, resources to help you be with Jesus. They're great, right? But similar to this prepared meal, if I only eat prepared meals from the grocery store, uh, I need to have a really good budget because those are a little bit more expensive, so you have to be willing to spend more. And then I have to, every time I want to eat, I need to go to the grocery store. Like I don't have anything at home. I don't know how to to get it for myself. I have to go buy it. So it means I have to leave my house and go over there and come back, right? And it's just kind of, it's kind of clunky. It's good sometimes, but if that was the only thing I ate, right? You'd be like, hey, I think maybe it would help you if you learned how to cook a few things, right? So that's my next um, step. With the devotionals, they're great. They'll feed you. But probably you should learn how to cook for yourself. And it doesn't mean that you need to cook every time. It's great. I mean, you, maybe you're busy and you're like, hey, Chick-fil-A, I got it. Verse of the day on the Bible app, that's what I got for today. Praise God, that's better than nothing, right? Maybe you get a prepared meal from time to time or a season that you're in where you're just like, I just need some structure and some help. Kind of, I just feel a little bit lost. But all of us, uh, I want you to be able to know how to cook or how to take God's word for yourself and, and feed on it and like take it in and, and let it impact you, okay? So that's the elephant in the room is that a lot of us struggle with that, whether you're a new Christian and you're new to reading the Bible or you've been reading the Bible for a long time. I read something this week where I was like, I got no idea. No idea what it means. If you're looking for a pastor who knows everything, you should go to a different church. Uh, I'm just telling you, I looked at it, I was like, wow, I have no idea what what they're talking about here, right? So everyone has room to grow. And so what I hope to do for you today is give you a a few cooking lessons uh, to give you a couple simple things that you can do, a way that you can take and begin to read the Bible for yourself and not just read it. But as Jesus has encouraged us to retain it, let it go deep within us, and then persevere in it, let it be applied to our lives. Does that sound good? Okay, so I encouraged you a couple of weeks ago to to practice taking notes during the message. I want to encourage you to do that again today, Uh, not because I want you to take notes of what I'm saying, but actually I believe that the note-taking helps you focus and retain the information and synthesize what's important And I believe that this is so valuable, what I'm about to show you, that it will transform your life if you'll take it and implement it. And I don't want you to leave it here on Sunday morning. I want you to be able to carry it with you. So if you need a journal, we have some uh, behind the pillars, these little practicing the way of Jesus together here in Dallas journals. Those are free. You can take one. You can take it on your phone. I've also encouraged you to bring your Bible. Uh, You'll miss a lot here 
if you are just listening to me talk, I want you to look at God's word. And if you need a Bible, again, they're behind the center pillars as well. Uh, so here's the simple way to a simple framework for understanding the Bible or reading it in a meaningful way, right? We're trying to ask the question, how do I read the Bible in a meaningful way? So there's three letters that I want you to get. It's a simple acronym, D-N-A, like the stuff that's in your, your body, D-N-A. D stands for discover the meaning. That's where we start. We discover the meaning. N stands for nurture the seed. Remember, we learned last week that God's word is like seed sown into our lives. We want to nurture the seed. And then A is apply it to your life. It doesn't just remain kind of uh, in, our, in our heads or in our hearts, but it's supposed to be worked out in our lives. We're going to discover the meaning. We're going to nurture the seed. And we're going to apply it to our lives. So let's do that together on today's passage of Scripture. I'll take you behind the scenes of what it looks like to dig in for yourself. And, and just a question that you might be asking is, well, how much time, if I were to do this, how much time would I need to um, create for this? Is this like I need uh, 20 minutes or I need half an hour or I need a full day? Like what, 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 what would get me started, right? And just as in a kind of like in a cooking recipe, they tell you how long it will take. I would encourage you, a good start uh, would be maybe 15 minutes a day is a good place to begin, right? And then you can build from there, just like cooking. There's a simple way to make things, and then you can build out as you develop capacity. And some of you may say, hey, I, I want more than 15 minutes. I just want to go for it and, and just jump in neck deep. Go for it. But I'm just saying 15 minutes, if you're just starting, would be a good place to uh, begin, and you probably are, yes. So uh, Luke chapter eight, verse 16, Jesus speaking, and we're gonna read it, and then we're gonna apply the DNA method to it. So no one lights a lamp, this is Jesus speaking, and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. Luke chapter eight, verse 17, for there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more, and whoever does not have, even what they think they have, will be taken from them. Now, Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. So someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. Jesus replied, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. Okay, so let's take this passage of scripture and let's walk through DNA, something that you could do tomorrow uh, or Tuesday or whenever you want to try and implement it. D, discover the meaning. So we want to start with what does this mean? And this is less the sense of what does it mean to me? I think it means this, and more the sense of what is the author trying to communicate? What is God trying to speak? What is he saying through this, right? It's a little bit more study and less kind of internal touchy-feely. And how do we do that? The first place that you start when you're trying to discover the meaning is prayer. The Bible, unlike uh, other historical books you may read, uh, you know, if you were to read the biography of Ben Franklin, there's no way for you to communicate with Ben Franklin and ask him questions about, well, what does this mean? The Bible's different. God is living and active, and he wants to speak to us, and he wants to teach us. And so when we're trying to understand the meaning 
of God's word, the first place that we start is prayer, is by asking him. In the book of James chapter one, verse five, it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So there's so many times when you come to the scripture where you need wisdom, right? And so you don't have to try and figure that out on your own. You can come to the Lord. And so I just wanna lead us in a prayer together just to ask God for wisdom as we begin to uh, study his word. So Jesus, uh, we're just taking you at your word, Lord, that you want to teach us and you want to give us wisdom and give us wisdom generously. So we just humble ourselves. Um, Lord, we need, we need a teacher. We need help to understand this. Um, we want you to be the one that explains this to us. So we're, we're ready and we're open, Lord. Would you give us wisdom? Amen. Simple prayer. That's how you start out. Now, the next step when you're discovering the meaning is something that I would say is very punk rock. Anybody in here a punk rock fan? Oh, yes, that's exactly the point. There's like three, okay? It's very kind of uh, countercultural, off to the side, a little bit different, a little bit throwback, right? A punk rock. What I'm going to tell you next is a very punk rock response that I think will really help you. In 2019, when we don't know something, we have a standard kind of response. I don't have my phone up here, but it is. We go to Mr. Google or Mrs. Google, and we ask them, what does this mean? And then we go down some rabbit trail on the internet where we wind up somewhere on some site that supposedly tells us what something uh, means or does not mean, and we have to evaluate, is this true or is this person crazy, right? So I wanna encourage you with God's word, rather than going first after prayer down the internet rabbit hole, I wanna encourage you to go punk rock and do something very different. I want you to go to people. I want you to go to community. I want you to go to your church. And here's why. We are not the first disciples of Jesus to try and figure out what these words mean. We are not the first kind of generation that's like, oh, we've got this figured out. No, we are in a faith that has a long history. And there are men and women who have given their lives given their studies, given their time, given their finances, given everything they have because they valued this word so much and they've spent a lot of time talking and researching and writing about the different meetings. And within the, within the church, God has called us not just to be kind of individuals doing DIY you know, Christianity, but he's called us to be a people. And here amongst the people of God, is an opportunity to learn. And to learn in an environment where you can see the fruit that comes from the teaching. When you go on the internet, just to be honest, I've studied the Bible a, a whole lot, and if I was a beginner, I wouldn't know this. But there are websites on the internet, there are organizations that in my opinion, intention, intentionally and maliciously lead people astray, and they try and communicate one thing, they say, oh, this is what's true about this scripture, and they're trying to deceive people. And I can give you the names of the websites if you want to know. We'll do that later. But, but it's really confusing if you go out there. Within the church, you can see people's lives. You can see their character. You can see the way they treat other people. You can see the way that they work. You can see the way that their, their family is. You can see the way that they relate. You can see the fruit. And so then you're like, okay, I, I see fruit. I'm going to listen to what you're saying, help me, right? That's why every Sunday morning, we go through the word of God on Sunday morning, we teach from it. This is a place you can learn the meaning. In your life group, 
There are relationships. Those are small groups that we do throughout the city if you're new with us. And in those groups, I'd encourage you to take your questions there about what you're reading. Because you might find someone you know and you respect and you trust who say, oh, I actually studied that last year. Here's what I learned. And they can share with you and we can learn from one another. So after we pray, I want to encourage you to go to your church community as a place to discover the meaning. And then from there, um, I want to share with you kind of your next thing. If you're like, okay, I can do that, but I'd like a little, I'd like a little more uh, salsa on that meal, I want to encourage you to buy a study Bible. You might have one. There are lots of different kinds of study Bible. This one that I have is a Hebrew Greek keyword study Bible. And what that means is after the words, it has a little number that I can look in the back and it tells me the original definition of that word. I enjoy it. There are lots of different kinds, but the big idea is that you'll have scripture and then you'll have alongside of it some explanation that helps you make sense of, oh, this is a political reference to something that happened a couple chapters earlier. Or, oh, this is a symbol that's used over and over and over again that represents the Holy Spirit. It will give you helps to understand what the Word is trying to say. Next step up from a study Bible is a website that I'd recommend called The Bible Project. Anybody in here been to The Bible Project? Got a few fans? It's, it's really well done, in my opinion. Uh, on The Bible Project, you can see it behind me. It's just thebibleproject.com. Uh, they have taken each of the books of the Bible and they have created summaries, outlines. They have animated videos that explain the meaning. They'll give you like an infographic, like a comic like that. If you're a visual person, they will help you kind of see how things flow. And then if you're really nerdy, they have like this podcast called Explore Me and My Strange Bible where they'll talk, you know, for an hour or two about different topics or different parts of books or whatever. And it's a great place to go where you're going to learn more of the meaning, the historical meaning around the scripture. Next step from there, if you're like, okay, I want to go further, is what's called a commentary. And again, if you're, if you're new to the Bible, a commentary is a book written about a particular book of the Bible. So like we're going through the Gospel of Luke as a church, you might have a commentary on the Gospel of Luke or commentary on the book of Romans. And on that Bible Project website, after each book, they list recommended reading to go further. And they have a couple that are kind of popular level and they have a couple that are academic. So you can go as deep as you want to. A lot of those are available on Amazon for around $10. Great investment to help you learn the meaning. So I went through all these steps uh, with the particular passage that we're reading today. And I just want to take you behind the scenes of what I, what I learned. So I learned from one of the commentaries that I read that the key to understanding this teaching of Jesus about the lamp and what, what you have will be given more and what you don't have will be taken from you. The key to this is actually in Luke chapter 8, verse 15. And so if you'll look at that, uh, it's the preceding scripture. It's the end of the story that we looked at last week. Luke 8, 15, Jesus speaking. And he said, but the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. So the commentary that I read said that's the key verse for understanding what comes next. And the reason why is when we read through the parable of the four soils that we've been reading the last couple weeks, we saw there's one soil where the seed gets sown and it immediately bears fruit. 
That sounds exciting to me. I like things that are immediately fruitful. I like things that are easy, where it's like easy and it's fruitful. That's a huge win, right? So we read that and we're like, man, that's awesome. But then you read that's some of the plants that, gets, that doesn't have roots and they end up dying. You're like, oh. And then Jesus says, the way to see fruit is to hear, retain, and persevere. And I don't know about you, but I kind of have an allergic reaction to perseverance because that means things are hard and you have to stick with it and not see immediate results, you know? And so you would hear that and you'd be like, oh, I don't know. This sounds really, really tough, right? And as someone who has followed Jesus and tried to embody this, there are places in discipleship to Jesus where you will see quick fruit, radical transformation that's very encouraging. And there are other places that will feel like you're the hardened path, you're the rocky soil and the thorns all in one, right? Sometimes I feel that on certain things where I'm like, man, I'm reading the word, I am focused on this, and it just feels like it is so hard and change is so painfully slow in my life, even though I want to. I'll give you an example, encouragement. I'm not a great encourager. If, if you, um, in any situation, it's so much easier for me to see what's wrong than what's right. Anybody in here can relate? I love optimists and positive people because I need you to help balance me out. But the Bible calls me to be an encourager. It says encourage one another as long as today's called today so you don't grow uh, hardened by sin's deceitfulness, right? It calls me to that. And so I've studied the word. I've memorized it. I just quoted it for you. I memorized that verse uh, 15 years ago. I mean, I've, this is how long I've been pounding on it. And I still get disappointed with myself at the lack of consistent encouragement that comes out from me. It feels like, man, this is really hard and slow going. Maybe you have an issue in your life that just feels like this thing has just been with me for a long time, a long time. I was speaking with someone uh, in our church who had had a, a sexual addiction for around 20 years. And they had been to every ministry line, they had prayed every prayer, they had done everything, and it just, they were just like, I just can't get free. Maybe you have an area in your life, big or little, like that. And uh, <clears throat> so this will be encouragement to you. In light of that, Jesus says, no one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar. I have a demonstration for you. No one is going to go to the trouble of lighting this lamp, or in my case, calling a friend to see if they had one, then getting them to bring it, then turning it on. No one's going to do that. And then just put it in a jar and put it away. And if you think about in Jesus' day, lighting a lamp was much more complicated than our day. What are they going to do? You are going to light a lamp for a particular purpose, Jesus tells us, to set it up, put it on a stand, verse 16, so that those who come in can see the light. There's a purpose. Now, this is really powerful when you think about it. You read this and you're like, well, of course. If you light a lamp, you have a purpose for it. It is going to shine through. You're not going to hide it. One of the images that's used over and over and over again to describe uh, Jesus and his work and his word is that it is a light. Just like previously we saw that his word is like a seed, 
His work and his word is a light. In fact, in the Gospel of John, it says that Jesus is the true light of the world. He's coming into the world to enlighten everyone, right? That's in his light that we see light, okay? So what does this mean? Well, this again is speaking about the power of his word. And Jesus is saying, I haven't sent my word into your life to just kind of leave it there. And I get on to other things, and, and you know, I forget about you, and I forget about that, and just I, I kind of move on. I don't do that. So no, I, I light things. I light lamps to put them up here so that light can shine through. I've sown my word, or I've, I've, I've lit you up with my word. You may not see the light shining through you now. It may not be super visible. There may not be a ton of fruit that you can see. It may feel like there's nothing there, but don't worry persevere in the word, it will overcome, it will break through, it will shine forth, there will be light, and I'm lighting you up in order to light the whole world up. So take heart, take courage. That's, that's the idea here, right? Wow, that's really encouraging. So that, that person that I told you about with the sexual addiction, uh, they persevered in the word. And over the last two years, responding to some different things, they got free, got completely free, like new, new, new person, right? The word is powerful and Jesus wants to encourage us. So if you feel like, man, there's an area where I've just been believing the word of God to change me, but I'm, it just, I'm still here. Be encouraged. Take heart, right? Jesus has not put his light inside of you, not sown his word into your life just to leave it hidden, but he's going to bring it to light. He's going to shine his light through you. You can be encouraged today. That's, that's awesome. Verse 17, there's nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be brought out into the open. Common sense of life. We see it every day. Leaders, uh, politicians, business leaders, whoever, doing things in secret. They think no one knows and eventually it comes to the light. That's the way the world works. We hear that, we know that, and it puts a little bit of the fear of God in a good way in us of, man, what I do in secret really matters, right? It's going to come Fourth, when you read the word, when you take the word in, by and large, it's in secret. It's not visible in the moment. I mean, you can post a picture to your Instagram, but that doesn't really mean that you're like taking it in. That's something that happens in secret. That's not visible. I mean, think about a seed going into the earth. Like there's nothing to show for your labors for a while. But he's saying what's been sown in secret will be made manifest, will be disclosed. The way you have let the word sow into your life, it will come forth. Nothing that's concealed now, it will be known. It will be brought out into the open. Again, same line of encouragement that he is at work and that he will follow through on his word and it will bear fruit if we will hear it, retain in it, and persevere. He will be faithful to bring it about and bring it into the open and bring it into the light. Verse 18, building on that, he says, therefore, consider carefully how you hear. So in light of the significance that the way in which we hear has for our lives, where we've seen it's the way in which we hear that differentiated the four soils. It was the way in which we hear, right, that means that we're taking the word, we're retaining it, and we're persevering in it. And if we see what God wants to do, that he wants to bring a hundredfold investment, a hundredfold return in our lives, then we need to pay attention to how we hear. And not just hear, but retain it and persevere in it. That's why he says, pay attention to how you hear. 
Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have will be taken from them. What does this mean? Okay, so this is another uh, uh, life principle, okay? Uh, You have stuff, and if you're not attentive to what you have, right, it will end up falling away from you. I, I lose my phone a whole lot. I think I have it on me. I thought I had it on me when I came up here, and now I don't know where it is, right? It just, it's, it slips away from me because I don't pay attention to it, okay? In the same way with the word of God, the people around Jesus that are around him at this moment here in the story, they were a community and a culture that was very familiar with the scripture. It was a part of their everyday lives. They, they had all the Bible verses memorized. And an illustri- uh, analogy that makes sense for us, maybe that you say they grew up in church or they grew up in youth group even. Like they knew the drill, but they, didn't, they hadn't taken it in and let it change them, right? They were familiar, but it, w- it hadn't gone deep within them. So Jesus is saying that they end up going to lose what they think they have. And I don't want you to envision this as God looking at them and being like, man, you guys, you haven't done it. I'm just going to smack you down. You don't play my way, game over. That's not the image here. That's not the image Jesus gives us of God. It's more the image of what we don't pay attention to, what we don't take in, what we don't persevere in, we end up losing, just like my phone. It just, I lose it all the time because I'm not paying attention to it. So we need to pay attention to how we hear. Then he builds on that in verse 19. Again, I got this from reading a couple commentaries and going to the church, talking with some other people within our church to hear what they got out of it. Uh, Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. He replied, verse 21, again, same theme. My mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. So being a part of the family of Jesus is not based on genealogy. It's not based on pedigree. It's not based on where you're from. It's not based on what ethnicity you have. It's not based on if you grew up in church or didn't. It's none of that, right? That's what they were thinking Oh, your family is the people biologically related to you. And Jesus is like, no, no. My family are those who hear the word and obey it, who follow through on it, right? And that's not what gets you into the family. It's grace, receiving the gospel, that gets you into the family, not by works, lest any man boast. But the fruit, the obedience is a response, It's what comes out of the grace of God being in our lives. It comes out of receiving his word. There's going to be fruit. And that's how you know this person is a follower of Jesus. The fruit, that's what he's saying, right? So he's just reinforcing, how do we hear? How do we hear? Are you paying attention to how you hear? Are you receiving? Are you retaining? Are you persevering in it? Because it will bring forth fruit. So that's the meaning, but we don't just want to stop there. Now we want to take it in, okay? Uh, Maybe an analogy that might make sense is you've got it in your head now. Now we want to take it into our hearts. We want to let it sink deep. So we want to nurture the seed. The biblical word related to nurture the seed is the word meditate. And we find this in Psalm 1, an incredible illustration of the power of meditating on God's word, what it does in our life. Psalm 1, if you'll flip in your Bible, it's halfway through. I'll give you a second to get there. This is such an amazing psalm. Like if you're unfamiliar with Psalm 1, I would encourage you, make this your verse for the year. It's just so amazing. 
Psalm 1, starting in verse 1, it says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. This is the one who's blessed. Verse 2, whose delight, whose joy, whose enjoyment is in the law of the Lord. Is in God's word, who meditates on God's law day and night. There's that word meditate. That person is like a tree planted beside streams of water. So again, you see the plant imagery, the fruitful plant. It yields fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. What an incredible picture. That's half of Psalm 1. You can read the rest on your own time. What an amazing picture picture. And again, it's the power of meditating on God's word, letting it sink deep that bears fruit. So how in the world do you meditate? You might be familiar with Eastern meditation. You might be familiar with kind of the the secular version of meditation. How do you meditate in the way of Jesus? I'm going to give you four things you can do to put Psalm 1 into practice. Number one, you can paraphrase it in your own words. So this teaching of Jesus that we just read, write it down. Don't look at the Bible. Write it down in your own words and try and recount it to yourself. And the process of trying to draw up what you read and to articulate it will take it deeper within you, right? It just helps it sink deep. Another thing you can do is to read through it slowly, trying to sense the spirit. You have a physical body, but you also have a spirit. And the Holy Spirit communicates to our spirit. And as we read the word, the spirit wants to minister to you. And so you can read it slowly, kind of like a bee getting pollen from a flower. You're just kind of sitting there and you're drawing things forward. And you want to take note in your spirit of what you sense the Holy Spirit speaking. And I had someone come up to me after the first service and say, hey, I've just been, I've been reading the word. I've actually been trying to do this. And the Holy Spirit's just been giving me so much revelation. He's been showing me. So many things. It's just been amazing, right? That's what you're doing there. You're just going slow. Holy Spirit, what do you want me to know? What do you want me to see in this? And he will minister to you. Third thing you can do is to pray it. You can turn the scripture into prayer back to God. It's another way to take it deep. So on this one, we read about light, right? Jesus, thank you that you're the light of the world. Thank you that you don't light up a lamp in order to hide it, but you want to bring it forth. And you've sown your word into my life like a lamp. God, and I can be encouraged today that you are going to bring it forth. I can lean into you, and I can, I can be patient, and I can persevere in it. You just pray the word. And if you struggled in your prayer life, you're like, what do I say after I thank God for my knees and my toes and, you know, that, that I have a roof over my head? What do I say? Just take these scriptures, and this gives you vocabulary for your prayer life with God. Fourth thing you can do is you can sing the word. Turn this into a song. Write your own song, write your own melody to the Lord out of these scriptures. All of those things will help it go deep within you. And again, you may not be able to get to all of this in one sitting. You might be on uh, Luke chapter 8 for a month. That's okay, right? The point is to meet with the Lord and to let him sow into our lives. It's not just to check something off a list, right? We want to come to him and let him minister to us. You might have maybe move through faster. That's fine, but just be patient with it. Okay, apply it. How do we apply it to our life? Because we don't just want it to remain here and here. We want it to be lived out through us, okay? So this actually takes some some thought. How do you apply it to your life? Well, different words have different responses. 
So sometimes when you read the word, you find a promise to obey. I mean, a promise to believe. It's like, oh, I just need to believe this. I need to believe that God is gonna be faithful to his word. That could be an obedience point for me in my life or you in your life. It's a step of faith related to what I believe. Uh, it could be an encouragement. That The main thing to respond to is, wow, I just need to be encouraged today because God is at work in my life. I just feel built up. I feel strengthened. That's my response, and you're feeding on it like a meal. Another one is a command to obey. There might be something that you need to go and do or say to a particular person or change what you've done. There's something to respond into action, and that's obedience. And just as we sang the song, simple obedience changes history. It really does. That's what we're seeing in God's word. So there may be something that you need to obey, and then I want to encourage you to take those and walk it out. You're not going to be able to have like 9 million points of obedience every day. You'll just be overwhelmed, right? So I want you to focus on God, like lead me, help me. I want to be faithful in applying, but don't be like me. I make a 100-point checklist, and I just get overwhelmed, and then it just stays there you know, in my to-do list. Don't be like that. Take it in. Walk with it, let it change you and impact you. And I'm just really excited to see what God does in your year and in your life and in our life together as we pursue this over the course of this year and the next 10 years. I want to invite you to stand. And I want to pray uh, for you. I want to invite you to open your hands. I'm just going to pray for all of us that we will be people that, that take the word in like this, so we'll be careful in how we hear. Just to close us, Jesus, we love you. Thank you that you are light and that you want to shine your light in our lives. And you shine your light through your word, Lord, and that it is bearing fruit in us, that you're not lighting us up to keep it hidden, but that you want it to shine all the way through, Lord. So we trust you that you who began a good work in us, that you will be faithful to bring it to completion. And I pray that we would be a people that read your word, retain your word, and persevere in it. In Jesus' name, amen.